0: Now back to On the Block with Stricken Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Strick and Austin with you as we are every weekday here from 2 to 4 on the block on 93.7 The Ticket. Also with us at 225 on Wednesdays, the Omaha World Herald's Evan Bland. Evan, uh, how are you doing this this fine Wednesday?
1: Hanging out. I mean, it feels like this might be the last cold day of uh of the winter slash spring so you know kind of kilt in the clock here so to speak
0: absolutely nebraska baseball over the weekend down uh in texas they've had some uh weather issues down there with storms but they get both games in this weekend how do you assess the uh, the one-in-one weekend for the huskers down in, in abilene
1: well you know obviously you want to win two and the schedule setup is kind of quirky i mean it's not ideal to have to travel down and sort of shoehorn into another series the way that they did, but they're trying to fill games and, uh, it was sort of a, a necessary situation. But, you know, I thought the first game when they roll past Corpus Christi, that was sort of a, just a taking care of business sort of effort for them. The offense rolled and that was a team, you know, if you recall, that came to Lincoln and won a series last year and, and they're still a, a pretty decent club. So I think you feel good about that. And then, you know, you fall to Abilene Christian in the, the second game of the day and I think if you just look at sort of from a name recognition standpoint that's probably a little disappointing, but that's a, a team that's uh probably on track to win forty games this year. They may even uh be in the mix for an at large spot for the NCAA tournament. So I think you kinda of dive a little bit more into the quality of that team and it lessens the sting. And and from Nebraska's perspective, uh As it's looking to build a resume for the postseason, um, you know, losing a single game in a true road environment to a team like that isn't going to hurt you too much. So, um, you know, obviously they feel like they could have played better defensively. They had three errors. They've left some runs on base, some potential runs. So, you know, I think they felt like they could have done better. But... In the end, they get in uh, the games. The bullpen continues a scoreless streak that's still ongoing. I think they're figuring out some roles. And so uh, you can just kind of tell this team is, is starting to figure some things out. And I thought we saw that on display last weekend.
0: Uh, Nebraska learns from its experience with the Purple Wildcats of Abilene Christian. They take their uh, lessons to uh, face some other Purple Wildcats in Kansas State last night. A 6-1 <laughs> Husker win. They score early. They score late. They hold on. A better performance, I would say, from Nebraska. You know, it's nice to see the, the insurance runs. You mentioned the scoreless streak from the bullpen. Still, at least in my eyes, earning some of that trust, Evan. So it's good, at least for me, to see the offense pile on those four runs late and help the bullpen out that way.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, and, and, and that's kind of what this offense can do. In the games that they don't win or produce, they still tend to get guys on base. They just don't always get that big hit or, uh, you know, convert in those clutch spots. So they were able to do that against Kansas State. And that's a pretty good team, too, by the way. That, uh, I mean, that's another right-around uh, top 120 RPI, similar to Nebraska. So to go in and get that one is encouraging. Max Anderson homers again. Uh, it was, it was kind of funny. We were just talking with Will Bolt uh, this afternoon at Haymarket, and and he made the comment that, uh, that he said kind of blew his mind was when, um, you know, how hot is Max Anderson? He's so hot that... Uh, when they put in a lefty against him, and the wind is blowing out, he made the comment that it just felt like it was a free home run. And Will Bolt, uh, you know, kind of marveled at that today, saying, who, "Who says that? There's maybe free hits, but this guy is so hot that he sees situations that look like free home runs, and he was able to, uh, you know, put one together again last night." So I think, yeah, the offense came through in big spots. The bullpen continued its streak. I think we saw again uh, that Jake Buns is really starting to round back into the form that he had in 2021 when he was uh, a dominant setup man for Nebraska. So he's been physically healthy, I think, for a while now, and now you're starting to see that command be sharper. You're starting to see that swagger. I mean, he's the guy really that when he's on the mound it provides an emotional lift for everybody else. And so, uh, you know, we're essentially to the midpoint of the regular season here, and you're starting to see guys get healthy. You're starting to see guys uh, – embrace some more defined roles and thrive in those roles. And there's no doubt. I mean, beating Kansas State in a midweek last night the way they did, that was their best midweek performance of the year. And now you turn your attention to Big Ten play, and you've got um, seven Big Ten series to go. Everything's still out in front of you. And I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about what this team can be.
0: I'll ask you about that upcoming weekend series with Michigan here in a sec. Uh, Caleb Clark gets the start. Another mixed bag, two innings, plenty of traffic, but gets out of it only giving one run up. What have you seen from Caleb Clark since his demotion to the bullpen? And is he going to be one of those first midweek guys moving forward?
1: Well, I I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. He was a guy that the staff felt strongly enough about that. Of course he gets the opening weekend start and he had the three starts, uh, before he got demoted or or whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, he's somebody who just from a personality standpoint has purpose behind everything he does. He's, he's a freshman, but, uh, the people that know him have just said, man, he he carries himself like a much older person, just with how intentional he is with everything. Uh, his command is generally pinpoint. I mean, you talk to Josh Caron or Griffin Everett behind the plate, and they say, you know, you put your glove up and the guy hits it. Um, so, you know, I think they've been working through some mechanical things. There may have been, uh, you know, speculation that maybe he was tipping his pitches a little bit, which could have hurt at different mm-hmm. points, too. Um, But, you know, ultimately he's a freshman who's trying to find a role. And, um, you know, he had some big moments early. It didn't necessarily work out. But I think he's working through that. And so, yeah, I mean, you have a handful of midweeks left. Most of the the rest of the way is going to be Big Ten play. But you have some midweeks, you know, single games on Tuesday and and, and things like that to work through. And so I think he would be a guy that you look at. Certainly Jackson Brockett, Michael Garza, who have gotten – starts previously would would be others who would get looks i I know the staff continues to believe that uh drew Christo is somebody who can uh take that next step and and he obviously has a really strong pedigree as a high school pitcher as well so they have a lot of arms and a lot of possibilities now it's just a matter of putting those results out there which is why you know a guy like will walsh is starting on sunday he's a guy who's who's been able to have some productive midweek Outings now, two in a row, Creighton and then North Dakota State last week, and, and even had a scoreless inning against Kansas State last night. So I think the staff just continues to look for guys to produce. And if you can ultimately have seven, eight, nine guys that you can rely on in key high leverage spots, then Nebraska feels like it can uh, you know have the kind of season that it wants to have.
2: Evan, uh, so they're staying on the road. They're going Big Ten play, as you said, uh, and and there's some games that are sprinkled in there in between with Omaha as well as with Creighton um, a couple times with Omaha. But what what is your expectation as far as what do they need to do when they hit the road against Michigan uh, in order to really put themselves in a position – uh, and how do you feel about a position for you know obviously down the road uh where they missed the tournament last year but what what are they going to have to do against michigan in this uh in, in in start of big ten play
1: yeah i mean from a resume perspective it's a big opportunity they're a top one hundred rPI team if you can go in and take that series uh you know that's that's a big boost that like, that's gonna get you right into the thick of things in big ten play i mean the Nebraskas only had the one series so far against illinois they So they're two and one. Michigan's off to a five and one start. They also won a series against Illinois, and they a swept Penn State the week before that. So you know, I I think they go into the weekend just kind of doing what they do. Like it's it's probably a good spot to be in, where you have a pretty good idea of what your team's going to be on a day in day out basis, especially in a sport like baseball when it's it's more of a marathon sort of mentality, and. You know, they feel good about their starters. Emmett Olsen, Jace Kaminski, Friday, Saturday. Now you have Walsh on Sunday. Uh, Like we mentioned, the bullpen's got a scoreless streak spanning five games at this point, so you feel better um, about guys coming in in high-leverage spots. And then you have a defense that's fielding at a top 40 clip, and you have an offense that's scoring at a top think 40 clip as well at this point and, and there's some depth there you get Garrett Anglem back he's one of their best hitters who's been out more or less for a month with a hamstring and and he's uh he got the start last night and, and is starting to round back into form too so I think you just kind of do what you do you don't take any series necessarily uh too big you don't make too much of it you still have half a season to go and just by virtue of uh, a somewhat weak non-conference schedule, the onus is on Nebraska to win some of these games. I don't think you can go 500 in the Big Ten and, and assume that you'll have a chance um, as an at-large team based on what you did in the non-conference. So I think you go out, you try to win series, win weeks, and they feel like uh, all the numbers and, and, and kind of their headspace would indicate that they feel pretty good about where they are
0: halfway through the season you mentioned looking at the big Ten standings you have Indiana and Michigan up, up top at five and one Michigan State at four and two who are some some teams as you look at these big ten teams halfway through the season that stand out either either positively or negatively well I mean Michigan
1: does stand out a little bit I think you know they're an interesting team because they are off to a hot start they have a new coach this year their coach from last year. Eric Bakich goes to Clemson. So they bring in Tracy Smith, who built Indiana into a power uh, before he left for Arizona State, and now he's back in the Big Ten. Uh, and they're, you look at their schedule, in the Big Ten you always miss four teams just because of uh, the unbalanced scheduling, and they miss some pretty good teams. And so this is a big weekend for them, and they don't have a particularly challenging schedule the rest of the way. So I think that's a team that's, uh, despite its recent success, is something of a surprise. Um, you know, Maryland preseason looked like the runaway favorites in this thing and you know the Turps have struggled to gain a lot of traction i think uh, their pitching looked like it would be a strength it really hasn't been necessarily they've lost a lot of power from last year's team and haven't been able to recoup it so that's a team that hosted a regional a year ago that's a little disappointing um you know iowa i think continues to maybe be one of the league favorites they've they've got that win against LSU earlier in the year and have some probably some of the deeper pitching in the league. So, you know, we're still sort of in that early stage of figuring out kind of who has what. I think Indiana maybe could be a team that takes a step forward too. Um but you, you don't always learn it in the non-conference because some teams challenge themselves and some teams uh try to sort of bulk up on on some lesser opponents. And so this is the time of year when all that evens out a little bit. Um And and so we'll see how it goes, but I think those those teams that I mentioned probably are the biggest outliers at this point.
0: Talking Husker baseball and now moving to Husker football with Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald here on the block. Uh, Evan, I was listening to your your Pick 6 podcast that you did with Sam and Tom, and I heard you mention that Nebraska football practices this spring, at least from what you've been able to see, are more engaging. What do you mean when you say engaging? Well,
1: there's just no downtime. From what I've seen, and again, we didn't see a ton of practices under Scott Frost, I think maybe one or two uh, sessions a year. And so we, we've already probably seen as much under Matt Rule as we have previously. But there, you know, one one thing that struck me is there's just not much standing around at all. I mean, you guys are going from station to station. I think back to an open practice, I mean, it was a week ago, where uh, some of the receivers are moving outside and these student assistants are moving the jugs machine out so they can set it up and have the receivers catch it, and those guys are like busting to get in into position. I mean, there's not nobody's uh, strolling, nobody's kind of lollygagging. Th- those guys felt it, and if those guys are feeling it, you can be you can bet the players are feeling it. Even the assistant coaches are feeling it um, because Matt Rule's not afraid to kind of coach his coaches and let them know what's going on. And then you get into the drills themselves, and there's just constant teaching. I mean, there's feedback, individual feedback. Uh, from from assistant to player um, every rep it seems like and uh, you know again we're not in there um, for full practices or even every practice but it just feels like if you're if you're going through a rep as a nebraska player you are getting feedback on technique on effort on uh, the why behind they do uh, the reason behind they do uh, why they do some of the things that they do and so i think it all just it adds up to a really engaging robust experience where you're out there man and it's it's football and, and you're, there's really no time to, to space out or anything like that. So I think that was just something that has struck me watching those open sessions in the first few times.
0: How important is the why for the players, especially with the first year coaching staff? How important is it to not just tell them what to do, but but why they should do it the way they're doing it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of building a relationship in the first place. I mean, these guys spent an off season, getting to know each other, players and coaches. Um, Matt Rubel has said before uh, that, you know, these players didn't choose him, but he chose to come play for them. And so I think there's a, there has to be sort of an element of humility there on the coaches' parts to say, you know, we're coming in, we are going to be your coaches, um, and, and here's kind of the reason behind what we're doing. And I also think it's just generational, too. I mean, 30 years ago, it, it, whether you're a coach, whether you're in business, whatever, um, you know, if your if your uh, boss told you to do something, you'd probably you'd just kind of do it because that's what you were told to do. And I think this generation that has so much more access to information. Um, that's just it's just sort of expected. And that's how you relate to people today as they try to learn and better themselves. It's not just doing it and and accepting that on its face, but but learning about the whys And, and I think that's, you know, again, just sort of a, a reflection of where we are as a society, too.
0: Yesterday, E.J. Barthol, the running backs coach, and Ed Foley, the special teams coordinator, talked. And Ed Foley's a guy that that stands out to me, a lot of what he said. I mean, little things like learning how the wind interacts with the stadium for the specialists strikes me as a little thing that Nebraska special teams, you know, in the first few years, uh, even back the last five, seven years, hadn't really thought about. Bill Bush helped that group take a big step in the right direction back to being, you know, average or solid do you think Nebraska's special teams with returning specialists and maybe some return juice and Billy Kemp could be an actual strength for the team this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's potential. and it's you think about all the struggles that Nebraska's had the last five, six, seven years, and how many of those games that they lost uh, factored special teams into it, I'd say quite a few. and And how many of the games that Nebraska won was special teams and asset. um I, I would say not very many. And so, You know, it's spring and everything's, um, you know, everyone's optimistic and and things like that. But you hear things uh, from Ed Foley like, we're going to return punts. We're not going to fair catch punts unless we have a guy right in our face. Or, um, you know, on kickoffs, we're not necessarily going to just boom it through the end zone, but we want to strategically place it so maybe we can tempt an opponent to return it and we can stuff them at the 18. Um, So there's just, I think there's a sense of aggression and, and they want to, they want to uh, block punts. Like that's, that's something that's going to be a priority. They're going to come after the ball at least a couple of times a game and try to turn things around that way. So you just think about how, you know, maybe passive Nebraska has been in that phase for a number of years. And now I I just think there's, there's a difference uh, in a mentality uh, sort of situation there. And you mentioned the special, the specialists, I mean, Brian Bushini has the, the makings of an all Big Ten punter, I think, and how he approaches his craft. Um, you know, Timmy Bleak is a guy who was an FCS high level performer who, who was pretty good in his first Nebraska season. He'll be joined by Tristan Alvano, the Omaha West Side kicker, who's coming in on scholarship this fall. So you feel pretty good about that. And then you have a guy like Foley, who uh, is a big personality, who spent three years in the NFL, and said yesterday he felt like he's better for that experience and working around some elite specialists too. So yeah, I mean, it's been a rough uh, few years for that third phase for Nebraska. And you get the sense from whether it's mentality or talent or a mix of both that, that maybe at the very least can play even with opponents moving forward, if not be an asset.
0: You mentioned what I'd fully said about, you know, tempting opponents to, to bring out a strategically placed kick or, uh, blocking punts. To me, that screams, get your best athletes on the field, let them go make plays. Do you think we'll see some more you know, consistent names that we see on offense and defense getting special team snap, or do you think it'll go back to being kind of a, a proving ground for guys trying to work their way up the depth chart?
1: I mean, I, I feel like it'll be a mix of those two. I mean, we've heard this before. Like We heard uh, early in the Scott Frost era that this was going to be starters on special teams and and that's how they're going to take it seriously and 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 previous coaches too and sometimes you get to a point when you get learn your roster intimately that you just say man um maybe we don't have the depth to do that where we can spend a starter so many times on special teams but you know i do anticipate that they'll use a number of of starters there they'll mix and match um of course you'll always see some special teams, sort of specialists, so to speak, out there. Grant Taggey's been a guy over the years who has been, um, you know, a playmaker in that phase and a few other guys too. So I think you'll probably see a mix. Um, but, again, like this is a staff that's still learning its its players, learning its roster. Matt Rule has said he's not even thinking, considering the depth chart at this point in the year. That's, that's not something that will come until early in fall camp. So, um, you know, at this point you're still – kind of evaluating what you have and, and moving guys around and tinkering. And um, I think ultimately they'll they'll find a way to get the guys out there that they want. And uh, I imagine a number of those will be familiar names to Husker fans.
0: It's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald covering Husker baseball and football. Evan, appreciate the time as always. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. Thanks guys. Good stuff from there Evan as always. I-, I like that. The mix of – experienced guys, guys that you know you can trust to go make a play on special teams, but also young guys. They can make a splash. They can make an impact. You got to kind of dangle the carrot out there, not just the stick, right? If you can yeah. give special team snap to athletic guys to go make plays,
2: sure, cut them loose. Yeah, we we, we definitely talked about that, and it's it's going to be one of those things where you want some of your better players to embrace it, to embrace mm-hmm. the role um, I think you've got to relay the message as a coach that the importance of what this role is for this team. Sometimes people, they, they don't look at it from that standpoint. And I think those that are participating from a blocking standpoint, uh, whether it be those, the gunners or whatever point that they need, it's the importance of what their role is. And, and so that uh, it's helping us to win games. And so once guys embrace that, it'll help.
0: The numbers you're going to want to know to play the shootout with Strick. $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings on the line next. Call now for your chance to take down the nine-year NBA vet, the Husker Hall of Famer in the shootout. We'll do it after this.